Thank you, Brother George. You see, it's good to see you this morning. We're glad that you're here, and hope you've come expecting a blessing from the Lord. And uh, this uh, is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, while it, it means uh, cookouts and lakes and camping uh, and a three-day weekend uh, for most of us. Uh, it means so much more than that, and it's much more important than that. And uh, we must never forget those men and women that have died uh, defending our country, and that is what the purpose of Memorial Day is, not just to have a cookout and, uh, you know, a, day, a Monday off work, um, but, you know, um, to, to remember uh, and to honor those that have died in the service of our country. And our nation certainly is not perfect. We've got a lot of flaws. Um, and we need to pray that God would mend them, uh, but there's not a better country on earth, uh, and I'm glad uh, to be an American. I hope you are too, but as thankful as I am to have the freedom as an American that I do have and that you have, I'm much more thankful uh, to have the freedom that I have in Christ. And freedom is such an important thing. It's something that we shouldn't take uh, for granted. Uh, something that we don't realize how important it is until we don't have it anymore. Um, and um, so, it, uh, you know, a couple of years ago when this COVID pandemic hit, uh, we couldn't do a lot of things that we were used to doing. So, you know what, I I kind of miss being able to go and sit at Chick-fil-A and eat lunch when I wanted to. Uh, and I kind of miss being able to hug folks and to, to see people out in the community uh, and do different things. And I'm thankful that things are getting back to somewhat normal. Um, but we appreciate, you know, we, it made us appreciate some, some things, didn't it, when uh, we, we had to put those things on a shelf for, for a few months. So I uh, appreciated being able to come to church because there were a few weeks we couldn't come to church together because of uh, sickness we met online. And it's, listen, online church is, it's okay. But listen, God doesn't intend for it to take the place of being in person together with God's people. Uh, the scripture says, for sake not the assembling of yourself together. Um, and I'm thankful that we live in a country where we are free to do that. None of you worried about, man, I wonder if there's soldiers that are going to show up outside church and they're going to shoot me this morning uh, for going to church, or if I'm going to be arrested for trying to go to church. We didn't have to worry about any of that. But there are places around this world where that's not the case. They, believers do have to worry about that. And there's places where there's uh, Christians meet, underground, if you will. They meet in secret uh, because they are fearful uh, for their lives. Uh, and Paul talks about the freedom that we have in Christ in the eighth chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians. And uh, we're working our way through this great letter talking about kingdom living, how we uh, live for uh, the Lord. And uh, because of Memorial Day, we're skipping uh, two chapters, and we'll go back and pick those up uh, next time. But we're skipping ahead uh, to chapter 8 because of what today is, uh, because of Memorial Day. I want you to take a look with me at these 13 verses 
uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. The Apostle Paul uh, wrote this to the church at Corinth, and this is what he had to say. He said, Now concerning things that are offered to idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Uh, knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And if anyone thinks uh, that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to. No, but if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Therefore, considering the things eat of, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in this world, and that there is no other God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, Yet for us there's one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we are for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom we are all things, and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled, but the food does not uh, commend us to God. For neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. But beware lest somehow this liberty, which is another word for freedom of yours, becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees uh, you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple... Will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. And Paul here shares some important things about uh, our life in Christ. And that's what this whole letter is about, is how we live out this change that Christ made in our life. And there's something about human nature that I, shouldn't, I hope I don't have to convince you of, and that's that human nature in of itself is selfish. You know that when you were little, nobody had to teach you how to be selfish. If you don't think humanity is selfish, you watch toddlers. You get two two-year-olds two in a room, and you put a toy in between them. Are they going to play with that toy together? Oh, no. They are going to fight over that toy, and they're going to say, Mine! Why? Because selfishness is woven into us, not by God. It was put there by sin. And one of the great marks of uh, being changed by Christ is that as a child of God, hopefully that selfish gene is getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and we think of others. And so Paul talks to us about how great it is to have experienced the grace of God. And it is the grace of God that changes us and it's also the grace of God that makes us have right standing before God. It's nothing that you do. It's nothing that I do. It's what Jesus Christ did. 
by grace. An acronym of grace, you may have heard it before, is God's riches at Christ's expense. And I think that's a good little uh, acrostic poem of what grace means. For God is so plentiful in his bestowing of grace upon his children. I sure am thankful for that. I hope you are too. And some in the Corinthian church were saying, well, if I'm saved and I'm changed, and now I'm God's child, that means I can live however I want to, and I'm going to make it to heaven. And that is not true. In fact, Paul, on numerous occasions in several of his letters, kind of addresses that idea. That the freedom we have in Christ is not freedom to sin, but it's freedom from the curse of sin. Knowing that we are no longer condemned to spend eternity in hell because of the sin debt that we owe, not because, again, of something that we've done, but because of what Christ did for us. Why did Christ do that? Because he thought of others. He thought of you and he thought of me before himself. He set the example for us. And so I want to suggest to us this morning as we look at chapter 8 on Memorial Day, think about the freedom we have in Christ What does that impact? How should that impact our life? What difference should it make? Well, the first thing that I want us to talk about this morning is our ministry of grace. Just as Christ has extended grace to us, and he says, you are changed because of grace, Paul wants the Corinthian church to understand that because of God's grace working in their life and because of the freedom from the curse of sin that they have, They have been bestowed a ministry of grace. Well, what are you saying? Well, that ministry of grace means that it is not about you. It's about others. And the first person that it's about is Christ. And the second person that it's about, it's not you again. It's others. And when we understand and we live our life, and Paul wants us to understand, as you have received grace, you better live in it, and you better give it. And by the way, really, if you understand what grace is, and you understand how undeserving of grace you are, and you understand, though, that you, as undeserving as you are, God still gave it to you, you can't help but extend grace to others. Because you're not any more worthy than they are. But Paul says, listen, you have received this new relationship by grace. And so you are supposed to spread grace around. And part of grace, part of being free, is recognizing that life is not about you. It's about showing others the difference that God's grace has made in your life and the difference that God's grace can make in their life as well. Because guess what? If God can change you, 
He can change anybody. And the thing is, God will save and change anyone. I think that when the Bible says anyone, it means anyone. Even those that do such and such. Yes, even them. Anyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so part of that ministry of grace that God has uh, given to you is living your life not for yourself, but for Christ and others. Because God has given you grace, you can live like Christ lived. How did Christ live? He prayed in the garden, not my will but yours be done. He said, Dad, I really don't want to go to that cross. I really don't want to experience what's going to happen tomorrow when the sun comes up. They said, not my will, but yours be done. Are we willing to pray that? And so he said, listen, and he uses the example that doesn't mean a lot for us, but it did mean a lot for them, because Corinth was a very, very pagan city, and they had a lot of idle temples. And guess what? People would take meat, and bring the idols uh, meat, and guess what happened? When he's talking about meat, he's not talking about pork and chicken and beef. He's talking about food. Uh, this is the generic uh, Greek word that just simply means food. And so they put food, whether it's an orange or whether it's good old barbecue, uh, before this idol, guess what? They put it there at night, and they got up the next morning, guess what? It was still there because that idol's not real. And so not to let a a good piece of food go to waste, they would take it to the market and sell it as second-hand used meat. And it was a lot cheaper. And we know if you've been to the grocery store the last month, you know that everything in that grocery store has gotten more expensive. And so in the city of Corinth, in their open markets, the vendors would sell this food that had been offered to idols cheaper. And so, because it was cheaper, people would buy it. And there were some in the church saying, you better not buy that, that's not good. And so Paul says, you know what? Don't judge people. Extend grace to them. For we know that that food that's offered to idols, it's still the same as it was because the idol's not real. They didn't do anything to it. Paul, uh, or Peter rather, gets an analogy similar that we can understand a little bit in the book of Acts. When he was up on a rooftop and he saw a blanket come down. And on that blanket was pigs. Now, if you know the Bible time, the Old Testament and the New Testament, God's people didn't eat pork. I can't fathom. I love bacon. Uh, And I love good old barbecue. Boston Bud is good, especially with some good sauce on it. It's good stuff. And when Peter saw that vision, he was repulsed. He said, man, I don't want anything to do with that, God. And God said to him, Peter, what God has called clean, you don't dare call unclean. 
God was giving that as an example to remind us that, listen, the, there was a reason at the time for those dietary laws of the Old Testament. But we're not under the law anymore. Praise God, we're under grace. So if we want bacon for breakfast or we want sausage for breakfast, we can eat that pork. And it's lawful to us. However, Paul says, you know what? If that pork is going to cause one of my weaker brothers or sisters to stumble, I'm not going to eat it. Can he eat it? Yeah, he can. Is there anything wrong with it? Is God going to thumb his, look down his nose at him? No, he's not. He said, yeah, I made that pig. You eat it and enjoy it. In its place and in the way that God intended, God created all things good. And so we have this ministry of grace that we have received and that we are to extend to others. But then just for a minute, I want us to talk about our message of grace. So we understand that we have this ministry of grace, that we are to, to put Christ first and put others for, before us. But then I want to talk for just a minute about the message of grace. You know what, as you live your life in such a way that you live to serve and to be a benefit to your church family and to the world at large, it makes an impact. Why? Because human nature is selfish. And people wonder. One time we were at a church, Leslie and I were at a church, and we just thought as an outreach, we would give people loaves of bread because Jesus is the bread of life. Uh, and so we had a little label for the church made, and we you know, put it on every loaf of bread, went out to the mall, and we handed people bread. I was amazed at the number of people that made this comment. Why on earth would you be doing And our reply, and we knew people would ask us that, so I told people, I said, well, they tell you, just say we want you to know that Jesus loves you, and so does our church. And so take this loaf of bread. And most people did. There were a few that didn't take it, but there were a few. Most people did. But we got asked a lot of questions. It's kind of sad that that was the case, that when you try to help and serve others, people are suspicious. It should be that people expect it. Not in an entitled way, but it shouldn't be unusual for God's people to bless others. And it shouldn't be unusual for us to expect for God to ask us to bless others. And so Paul says, your message to this weaker brother that may not have the understanding that you have about your liberty and your freedom in Christ and again, that liberty and freedom does not mean you have the right to do whatever you want to do. There are still standards that God has and God expects you to live by. But there are things that you do have liberty in. 
but you're not to use that liberty for your own self. And in fact, you are supposed to use that liberty to bless others. And the message of that is, as I've already mentioned, if God can extend grace to me, he'll extend grace to you as well. And so when a weaker brother sees you giving up your rights, and we'll use a, a contemporary example, it might be that uh, you might like uh, country western music. And I think that there's all kinds of good music, and there's a lot of bad music too in every, every stripe and every genre. Okay? And so maybe you like country western music, and as a Christian, you say, you know what? If Now, there are some country western songs you probably shouldn't be listening to. And when they come on, turn your radio off. It's got an off knob, so use it uh, when you need to. But country western music in of itself is not the devil. So you may think, hey, listen, I'm listening to country western music. But then there's a young Christian who got saved out of a life of honky-tonking and drinking. And the music that they play at the honky-tonks is country western music. And so he comes over to your house and he hears that music. What do you think he's going to think? Well, maybe it wasn't so wrong to live that way. Now, do you have the right to listen to that? Absolutely. And if that brother, that's not, it's not going to cause a stumble, it's not around, you'd listen to it if the Holy Spirit you know, doesn't tell you to not listen to it. But out of love and concern and grace, when that weaker brother's around, you listen to something else. That message is that Christ loves you and I love you enough that I'm willing to lay what I want aside so it doesn't hurt you. And so Paul says, you know what, if eating a good old barbecue sandwich is going to hurt a brother or sister in Christ, I'll never eat it again. The message is that God loves you. And that God came. Remember, Jesus said, I came that you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. And you see, this world thinks, and sometimes the devil gets us even as Christians to think, that you know what, living a Christian life is about a big long list of do's and don'ts. And man, if you become a Christian, your life's going to be miserable. But the reality is that the things that Christ says, you know, as a child of God, don't do, you didn't really have any business doing anyway, and they weren't good for you. But when you find the good things that God says you should be doing, can I tell you something? You don't miss those bad things that you used to be doing. Because the good things that God has given you is so much better. Here's a food example. We're talking a lot about food today. You know what? Uh, probably all of us have been to Chinese restaurants. And they have crab 
on those buffets, in certain dishes. And I love this casserole called cheesy crab. Every Chinese place in the world has it. And I thought that's what crab meat tasted like. Until I went to the coast. Leslie and I used to live in Brunswick, Georgia, on the coast of Georgia. We went to this little place. I can't remember what it's called now. Barber Jeans, that's right. And I had crab. Can I tell you, it didn't taste anything like that Chinese garbage. I didn't realize it was garbage until I had the real thing. Now, I still, when we go to Chinese places, I still get that cheesy crab stuff, even though I know it's not real crab. I don't want to even know what it is. It's probably manufactured plastic or something. I don't know, but it tastes good, and so I like it. But real crab is so much better and so much different. And here's the thing. When you get a hold of Jesus and you experience His grace, it is so much better than anything else you've ever experienced in this world. And so you need to let folks know that. Because there's a lot of people even inside the church that are settling for junk when they could have the real thing. They think they've got it, but they really don't. They've got the imitation garbage. But then here's the last point of the message this morning, and that's not only did we see the ministry of grace and the message of grace, but here's the last point. I want us to talk just a minute about our manner of grace. How we extend grace to others is very important. And we should, by the way, I think, uh, extend grace to those who are lost. They need to see that God's people love them and that God loves them. And they're not going to find that out from this world. They're going to find it from being around you that are saved and those that have experienced Jesus. But that's not who Paul's talking about here in this chapter. He's talking about church folks. And he's not talking about younger church folks. You know, you know, he's, what he's not talking about in this chapter is senior seasoned saints demanding their way and throwing tantrums. Say, well, if you don't do what I want, I'm out of here. That is not at all what he's talking about. He said, you surrender to those who are weaker in the faith. You don't make them feel like they're weaker. And that brother that's been saved out of the honky-tonks and you know you don't go on a you know five-hour tirade about why country western music is okay. Um, it's not really all that bad. You just love them. And, you know, I'm thankful that as I've walked with the Lord over the years that I have, I've known Him more and more. You know, I was saved in a very legalistic church where it was about rule. And you, I mean, you had to dress a certain way and you had to believe a certain way. And can I tell you, that was imitation crab dip. It wasn't what Jesus is all about. But as I've grown in my relationship with God and I've gotten to know Him more, 
thing. Yeah, there are some expectations that God has for his people. But it's not about following a list. Because when you're loving Jesus and you're living the way he wants to, that to-do list takes care of itself. It may not take care of it perfectly all the time, and to be honest, it doesn't all the time do perfectly. There's not one of us that does it perfectly. But that's the point. And younger believers need to see that in your life, that it's not about being perfect. It's not about having a, a fake smile and a praise God, hallelujah, and lifting up hand, you know, just for show. Now, if I was sincerity, you're lifting up hands and saying amen, you raise your hands and you sh- shout amen, but not, not out of a show, out of sincerity. And here's the thing, Paul says, you know what, when people see you living that way, it will help newer believers grow in their faith and will help strengthen them so they're not weak brothers or weaker sisters anymore. So that they can grow in fullness of Christ and that they can be mature as you're growing in maturity as well. And here's the thing, none of us are as mature as we need to be until Jesus calls us home. Some of you have been around a few more decades than I have. You know more stuff than I do, and you know more about Jesus than I do. But guess what? God's still got stuff for you to learn. As long as we're above dirt, God's got growing and learning for us to do. And God has ministry for us to do. But our manner of grace should not be, hey, I'm up here, and you're down here. The Gospels say it this way. Jesus was God. He was in heaven. Jesus was fully, and he still is, 100% God. This is what the Gospel says about the... Jesus didn't consider it robbery to leave heaven and come down to earth as a baby in a little town called Bethlehem. And grow up in a carpenter's house. In fact, Jesus said, you know what? The world says the greatest way to get ahead is to lie, cheat, steal, and kill whoever you've got to lie, cheat, and kill to get ahead. And by the way, the world still operates that way. But this is what Jesus said. If you want to become great, Lower yourself. And so when we understand our ministry of grace, we understand what God has done for us. We don't demand our way. We don't demand our freedom. We're willing to lay it down for the benefit and the betterment of others. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. He didn't leave heaven to come to earth just to have a vacation. It was not joyful. And yet he came. And he endured the suffering and the agony of the cross. 
because he knew that was what it would take to buy my life and to buy your life and to buy the life of all the world that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord would be saved. And that's great and good news. But how we share that good news is very, very important. Can I tell you, if we look down on people, church people or unchurched people, they're not going to listen to you. They're not going to hear your message of grace because they hadn't seen it live out in your life and you've not shared it with them. They've not seen it. But when you say, you know what, I'm, I know I'm not any better than you are. And I've had people say, yeah, you preachers and you Christians think you're better than everybody else. No, I'm not any better than anybody else. In fact, I might be a little worse than you. But here's what's made the difference. Jesus Christ has found me. More accurately, I found him. And he took me and made me new. And my life has never again been the same. And here's the thing. If God can do that for me, God can do that for you. Can I, get, I guarantee that you have people in your neighborhood where you work, in your families that need to hear that message of grace. And they're not going to hear it anywhere except from you. And so Paul's message in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 is you take your liberty and your freedom and you don't cut others down with it. You lift others up with it. You make others great. But here's the thing. When we make others great, we're lifted up as well, aren't we? And we're strengthened. When you help others, you're strengthened as well. And you're blessed as well. Because that's how God's economy works. So the manner that we approach and extend grace is just as important as the message that we extend. Because if the message is not matched by the manner... The message is not heard. And so may God help us. Say, you know what? I want to be an instrument that will be used not for myself, but for the sake of others. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we thank you that you loved us so much that you came to earth. You emptied yourself. You gave your life on the cross of Calvary. And Lord, we are so appreciative of that. And because of your work and because of the faith that we have placed in you, you've set us free. And Lord, may you help us to not take that freedom for granted. But may you help us to use that freedom for the sake of others. God, may we daily be reminded of the grace that we're under. And may we extend that grace to others, especially those new Christians, those weak Christians. And Lord, even those that are outside the household of faith, even those unchurched people, unsaved people. Lord, help us to extend grace to them because you extended grace to us. Lord, may people, by coming in contact with us, know that you are a God of grace and a God of love. 
Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to be the people you desire for us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together. If God spoke to your heart, perhaps you've never found that freedom in Christ. Today would be a great day to find it. Today would be a great day to put your faith and trust in Jesus and allow Him to make you brand new. Say, you know what? Yeah, I've dabbled in that fake crab stuff. I'm ready for the real deal.